Well, good morning, One Church and Grace Life. How you guys doing? Fantastic. Uh, it's a, such an honor uh, having all of us together under one roof, under in one theater. So, uh, uh, my name's Chris, and I'm the lead pastor here at OneChurch.tv, and uh, I want to say a welcome to a couple of groups of people. If you're a first-time guest with us, thank you so much for hanging out with us. Uh, the reason why we do all of this is uh, we uh, want to, we want to focus on people that normally don't go to church, and we want to say thank you so much for hanging out with us. If you're a normally not a church person, we know there's a lot of things you could be doing right now, like sleeping in, uh, going to Cracker Barrel, um, going to Cracker Barrel... Did I mention going to Cracker Barrel? Is anybody hungry for some Cracker Barrel? The hash brown casserole. I thank you, Jesus. Anyway, um, uh, but anyway, I want to say welcome to our first-time guests. Also, our VIPs are very important, our volunteers. If you serve at either One Church or Grace Life, let's give it up. You guys are awesome. If you guys didn't do what you do, uh, Carlo and I couldn't do what we do. So, um, by the way... Uh, we need to get a like a you higher did this on chair. Purpose, I, I, I didn't be, you I switch. To be you want me to? No, not at all. <laughs> so I just want a, a chair that can hold me. Um, so uh, yours is wood, mine's metal. So uh, anyway, uh, <laughs> stick it with it. All right. Um, also, uh, I want to say a huge welcome uh, to Grace Life and to Carlos Serrano. Uh, let's give it up for Grace Life. Thank you so much for hanging out with us today. We're going to have a lot of fun today. Um, uh, Carlo and I, we're going to co-teach um, a sermon today about a conversation about race, racism, and faith. And uh, a lot of this is coming from where we've been over the past month. And uh, I think everybody knows where we've been, whether it's uh, if you've watched any type of videos over social media, whether it's in Minnesota or Louisiana or Dallas or Ferguson or any of those places. Uh, our, our, it seems like our world is going crazy. Yeah. Um, so let's just dig right into it. Let me, uh, Carlo, if you wouldn't mind, let everybody know kind of who you are and tell your story. Well, I am was born and raised in Tampa, Florida, uh, melting pot type of a community, uh, Puerto Rican on my father's side, black on my mother's side. Uh, so uh, kind of growing up biracial, I dealt with a lot of identity issues early on in life. Thankfully, didn't deal with those later on in life um, because I was not Latino enough. For my Latino friends, I didn't speak Spanish, you know, I looked like a black dude, and I wasn't uh, necessarily black enough because I had this name, Carlos Serrano, uh, and I don't, you know, I, I speak proper English and enunciate and articulate, you know, code for, wow, I can't believe you talk like that based on your skin color. That's for a different message we'll get into, but all that stuff <laughs> compiled against me as a kid, so I, uh, thankfully, the blessing of that is I learned really quickly how to just be comfortable being me. Mm-hmm. My wife is biracial as well, and mm-hmm. so she identif- went through the same issues, really, mm-hmm. uh, growing up. But anyway, uh, grew up in Tampa. Uncle Sam brought me to Clarksville, like okay. most people, and here I am. Awesome. Fantastic. Well, let's just dig right into this. We're going to go through a couple of questions, and then uh, I- I'm going to preach a little bit. Carlo's going to preach a little bit, and hopefully we're going to put a bow on today's message. Uh, I do want to say this. We want this to be a conversation. Um, uh, so uh, behind me, there is going to be a text. Uh, you can text any type of question to either me or Carlo, and we would love to be able to answer uh, your questions today. Uh, we had a little over about 240 people in our first service, and um, we had tons of questions. Lots. Tons of questions. So I promise you, if you get those in early enough, we're going to be able to answer those questions. So make sure to do that. Um, uh, uh, so let's dig into it. Um, are you afraid of white policemen? Thankfully, not in Clarksville. Uh, in a different town, maybe so, but uh, not in Clarksville for two reasons. One, I have a badge. 
So I, I got to serve as an assistant chaplain with the sheriff's office. I've been on sabbatical for about a year, finishing up some studies. Um, but I have this great get-out-of-ticket-free kind of device in my car. I can just show that badge. Hey, buddy, what's I up? I want one of oh, those. No, it's not, but, but in all seriousness, I don't because of that. Oh, okay. Because okay. I have kind of the here's the proof. Sure. I'm on your side, so mm-hmm. there's nothing to fear. Okay. Uh, and two, I, I, I grew up and with this awareness of Romans 13. Long story mm-hmm. short, in Romans 13, the Apostle Paul basically says, if you're not doing the wrong thing, you have no reason to fear the person that's enforcing the rule and enforcing the law. So um, as long as I know I'm not doing the wrong thing, I typically am not fearsome, especially in our, in our town. Okay, all right. Um, I will say this. I did invite a couple of police officers uh, to be with us today so they could join us on this panel. Unfortunately, they had to say no because it would look like they would be representing the entire police force. Uh, I did meet with a couple of uh, police officers uh, off duty and kind of asked them some questions. And we're going to be, I'm going to be sharing some of the information they would like for us to be able to share with them. And in fact, we had one uh, uh, with us at first service. And it was such an honor. So, um, so anyway, I also spent the past month uh, having a lot of different conversations with a lot of different people of color. Uh, I have a lot of uh, African-American friends, and uh, one of the things I don't want to ever do is just assume that I know what somebody's going through, because I don't. I don't know if you know this, but I'm white. Um, so, uh, Only on the outside. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I don't want to... Uh, I, 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 my goal, and I think Carlo and I's goal for this morning, is we want everybody to feel like they can step into the other person's shoes just for a brief moment and, and, and get a different perspective. And uh, as we do tie a bow on this today, our goal as the church is we, want to, we need to be a, a group of people, Christians, who love well. Everyone, yeah. uh, red and yellow, black and white, or, uh, or any other differences that we might have uh, uh, with us. But next week, we're talking about what would Jesus say to Caitlyn Jenner. Hey. Um, so I'm going to be uh, sick that week, so if you could preach it. I'm here, man. Be, oh, my God. <laughs> no. Anyway, um, so good luck. yeah, good luck with that one. <laughs> Next question. Yeah. So, um, so let's do this. Uh, I have a son who's 17 years old, uh, and I've told him, hey, if you ever get pulled over the police, uh, you just make sure your car is out of the way so that nobody gets hurt. That's kind of been my spiel. Growing up, I never had somebody sit down and tell me, hey, if you get pulled over, this is what you need to do. In fact, let me tell you this. I said this first service. When I was 17 years old, I was speeding down Madison Street. I'm from Clarksville. And uh, police pulled me over, and I was I'm horrifically afraid. I mean, this is my first time you ever got pulled over, so I immediately start bawling because I'm that guy. Right, and I remember pulling over right next to the uh, to the Lutheran church there, and I immediately hopped out of the vehicle and ran towards the policeman because I was horrified. Well, needless to say, the policeman was horrified as well, uh, and he didn't pull anything or anything like that. But he, you know, he he forcefully said, "Get back in the car." And and I did, and again because I didn't know I, I was an idiot. You know, I I didn't know. Um, so let me ask you this. Growing up, did your parents ever say, hey, Carlo, or did you ever tell, I mean, I know you have kids as well. Yeah. What are you going to tell them if you got put on by the police, then blank? I feel like, uh, kind of to summarize what my parents taught me is, if you want to get killed by a police officer, do exactly what young Chris Edmondson did, mm. and that is get out and, and run. You know, when I, first, when I heard that story, I told you, I said, Chris, when I heard that story, man, I would have thought if that was me, I would have been dead. I would have at least <laughs> caught one in the leg. There's no way they would have let me run up on them uh, like that's just the reality, mm-hmm. you know, unfortunately, that we live in. My parents taught me to respect people who are in charge. 
So for us, that meant if they're older than you, they're in charge. Mm. If they have a job and you don't, they're in charge, right? Mm-hmm. So respect authorities. That's mm-hmm. just what, how I was raised. So um, my father taught us if you are respectful, yes, sir, no, sir. If you are doing everything you can to make their job easy, mm-hmm. you're probably not going to have any issues. And so mm-hmm. I just passed that down. I, too, have a senior in high school son, another one in sixth grade. And I've shared the same thing with them, too. You know, sure. watch your mouth. Do the right thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, if you're wrong, you're wrong. You own it, but you're respectful. Um, because ultimately, those uh, law enforcement officials, they just want to go home. They just want to do their That's job. Right. They, you know, pulling you over means paperwork. So believe me, they're not taking pleasure in this. Uh, they just want to do their job, get home. And so it all starts just with that respect. Mm-hmm. It's kind of how I was taught and what I teach my kids. Absolutely. Kids. Absolutely. Again, we'd love to have your questions. Make sure to text those in. Uh, let me ask you this. Um, I'm going to ask you this question, and then I'm going to I ask this question of a couple of police officers, and I'm going to share with you their response here in a minute. But uh, what went through your mind over the past month with the horrible, tragic events that happened uh, in Louisiana, in Minneapolis, the seven police officers that were killed in Dallas? Uh, what went through your mind when you saw all that over social media? A lot of mixed emotion. Uh, one part of me was not shocked and surprised. Uh, Obviously, we live in a messed up world and bad things happen. And so maybe I'm just desensitized to bad things are going to happen. It's terrible. Um, I found myself honestly more upset with the collective response we had to those tragedies than the actual tragedies. Mm. The tragedies are not new. They Mm. just seem new to us because we're bombarded with media. We're bombarded with social media that that wants to promote a certain agenda or kind of paint a narrative for us. So it Mm -hmm. seems like it's new. Um, but really just the fact that we are so quick to jump to dividing issues than to humanize, that's really what bothered me. Mm -hmm. I didn't see people empathizing with someone who had died. Regardless of who that person was, it's a human being that's dead. Were they far from God? Did they know Jesus? Mm -hmm. What about their kids? Did they, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. We never think about that. We just think of, well, they should have done this, this, and that wouldn't have happened. And that's just heartbreaking for Absolutely. us to, to, as humans, we're not even getting to the church part yet. That's right. Just as humans, for us to instantly jump to, to those type of conclusions, it's just, it's just messed up to me. You said this in the first service. It seems like we all jump to our own agendas. Yeah. Um, and, uh, I, you know, I don't have television. We have a TV, but we don't have cable or anything like that. So uh, I didn't know what was happening until I saw Matt Chandler put out a tweet um, about this breaks my heart, and I clicked on it, and uh, it was uh, the guy up in, I believe, in Minneapolis, who uh, his uh, girlfriend or wife was uh, Facebook Live, yeah. and just watching him bleed out, and I just remember crying and thinking, that is awful. Um, I, I'll tell you this, uh, one of my police officer buddies, I asked him, when you saw those two videos, what did you think? And he said, you know what, uh, especially the one in, in Minnesota made me cringe. And if a police officer... Uh, can say that you know I think all of us I think it just we're just like what's going on yeah you know it just it's so sometimes it can be so very frustrating so this goes to the question I think you just asked but I'm going to go ahead and uh, ask it um it says this um oh, sorry my, I'm getting old so I can't see um uh, is expressing feelings about police racism shootings over social media outlets doing nothing for the tragic situations or is it necessary conversations that needs to be started? What, what would you say about that? Yeah, expressing opinions over social media uh, almost exclusively hurts the situation. The bad thing about social media is that it has made a bunch of experts out of fools. 
because we can express our opinion. That is good, Carlos. Somebody needs to tweet that. We can express our opinions with no no accountability. I can say whatever I want. I can say it however I want, how harsh I want. I'm never going to encounter these people. That's what we think. You know, you know, you would never say that. If you read the president of the United States, you would never say those words to his face ever. And to do it from social media, from the the comfort and the cloud of this distance, that makes you more of a coward than a brave person to me because you're just it it just adds to the noise. So my mom taught us if you don't have anything good to say, shut up. Mm. Those are wise words. So there's enough negativity already out there. There are people who make millions of dollars to pump the garbage. Uh, I think real change happens when we do this mm-hmm. when we sit down and we have a conversation mm-hmm. we pick up the phone we go have lunch we go have coffee we get in our community and we actually talk to real human beings face to face where there's accountability where mm-hmm. that, there's that humanity that's right um, that's really how you make a difference you're we're not helping to click like and share on that next meme on that mm-hmm. next thing and i'm guilty of it i mm-hmm. love sharing funny things mm-hmm. and you know stirring the pot sometimes mm-hmm. with some of that stuff uh, you know, at the Olympics just now, uh, the Israeli judoka in judo, the, the Israeli, Israeli judo guy beat the Egyptian, and the Egyptian refused to shake his hands. And that's like big no-no protocol, right? And so there's a lot of fun memes about that, like, you know, Egypt still sore over the exodus, you know, Egypt, you know, just <laughs> Israel overthrowing Egyptian bonds since Moses, you know. And I'm guilty. That doesn't help. That's not productive. But I like and share that. So, By I'm the not, way, if you're Egyptian in here, yeah, I'm sorry. You know, uh, uh, I'm just <laughs> I'm not. I'm not sitting here on a high horse saying no, no, I'm not no, guilty no, of doing those kind of things. I did not know that. That's oh, kind of funny. I got to be honest with you. Look it up. So, uh, but, you know, we, we, don't, we don't help when we share the negativity, when mm-hmm. we feed into that, when we feel the need to share our opinion one more time uh, on some video or what, we're not, we're just serving ourselves. That's we're right. not serving the greater good. And, and one of the things that, uh, <coughs> that I think we need to be careful about is if we're going to speak, if our voice is going to be heard, uh, let's represent Jesus well, yes. let's love other people well. Yes. Um, because i got to be honest with you, Christians and the church for far too long over social media or other outlets, all we do is spew hatred, and uh, we we do boycotts and we do all of this stuff, and we wonder why nobody wants to listen to us. And it's because, it's amazingly enough, back when Jesus was alive 2,000 years ago, the people that were most attracted to Jesus were not like Jesus at all. They, they were the, the tax collectors, the sinners, the prostitutes. They loved hanging out with Jesus. But the religious people, they got ticked at Jesus. But, but, but today, it's in total inverse. Yeah. Religious people, we all congregate on Sunday mornings, and it's the prostitutes and the sinners and the whores and all these, all these other uh, people, they want nothing to do with the church because they know they're going to be judged. Yeah. So, absolutely. And my little 30-second sermon brought to you by Chris Edmondson. There all right. Um, let's, uh, uh, let's do this because I'm going to give us a little bit more time for us to be able to talk a little bit. For but sure. um, uh, let me give you some insights onto what uh, a couple of policemen have told me uh, when I sat down with them. And I, I mentioned the Minnesota video just made them cringe, and this is what they said. The only good reason for a police officer has to pull a gun is that there's an imminent threat to death or injury to the police or to someone else. And that video in Minnesota made me cringe because the police officer looked scared. And one of the things we talked about this first service, Carlo, is it seems like our country and our culture right now is just running scared. Yeah. Uh, you know, police officers, they're waking up every morning, they're kissing their spouse goodbye and their kids goodbye, and they don't know if they're going to come back home alive. And then you have other people, civilians, they're scared. We're all scared of ISIS. I mean, we're all just running around scared. And one of the things you mentioned first service is the most repeated command in the Bible is what? 
Do not fear. Do not fear. Fear not. Exactly right. So the perfect love, First John says, cast out all fear. So that's one of those things that I think we, we need to get in check. Because when, if, if we allow fear to reign, uh, then I believe our enemy is going to win. Um, I like a quote by Beth Moore. She says um, that fear is an emotional outburst of unbelief. And, uh, and I feel like so many times I've been there, that emotional outburst of unbelief. That I, and and I, think, I think all of us struggle with that. Um, so let me say this. Uh, another police officer said, we need to be careful judging a short clip of a very long encounter. That's very, very important um, because we may see a snippet, but we know that there is something bigger. Uh, there's a bigger story there that we may not know. So um, an, another police officer friend says this, no one hates a bad cop more than a good cop because you're associated with them. So um, so I asked this question uh, to a good uh, policeman as we were hanging out at B-Dubs this past week. I don't know if you know that, but I hang out there a lot. Yes, yes, yes. So yes. Um, uh, as a police officer, what would you want to say to the average person out there about your job? And they said, I became a police officer not because I wanted to shoot anyone, but because I became a police officer because I wanted to help someone and I wanted to make a difference. Um, so um, so I've got a question here. Uh, off topic of police, uh, how should Christians respond to the U.S. taking in so many Syrian refugees? Oh, my gosh. Um, that's next week. Um, uh, no. uh, when, uh, when many of them could seek or hurt our country, uh, on the one hand, we are called to take in refugees in love. On the other hand, we should be protecting our home. <laughs> you want me to answer that? I don't know. I don't hey, want to. This, this is an easy question. It's right. an easy question. We, we cannot allow qualifiers to come before Christian. If I'm a Christian, then that's what I am. I'm a follower of Christ first. I don't get to be a Republican Christian or a Democratic Christian or an American Christian or a Kenyan Christian or whatever. And so what does the Bible say about the foreigner, about the, the traveler? Well, it's... From beginning to end, including Peter, who we're going to talk about in a little bit, mm-hmm. even saying, guess what? That's what you are. Mm. You're also a stranger that's and an right. alien. Uh, talk about Egypt. Mm-hmm. That's what he refers to. Remember, right. you were so, so the Bible is very clear. We show love. We're open. We're welcome. The Bible is very clear that we are to fear not. And so I would push back on anyone questioning about what about the refugee thing. What filter are you processing this information through? Are you processing it through the, I'm a follower of Christ, or are you processing it through the, I'm an American who's afraid of Mm. stuff. And I think if I process it through, I'm a follower of Christ, I will find room for, here's my proper response. That's good. The the truth is, no one is coming to your house right now saying, would you please take these couple of refugees in? So just the fact that you're afraid of it is really towards the illogical side of the spectrum a little bit. Mm -hmm. The fact that it's consuming you so much that you're actually losing sleep, freaking Mm -hmm. out, Mm -hmm. investing time of it, Mm -hmm. that speaks more about you to me. That speaks more about your issues Mm -hmm. than it does the issue. And it really goes back to what we were talking about, about fear. Are we going to allow fear to win, or are we going to allow faith to win? And the Bible is replete. It is so clear of how we should treat widows and orphans and people uh, who have no home that we are to reach out to them. We are to welcome them. So absolutely, that's really good. From there, let's talk about Galatians. Okay, so Galatians is a phenomenal book in the Bible. I love it. Written by the Apostle Paul to a church that uh, essentially had people telling them you have to do all these rules in order to be in Christ. And so Paul really writes to correct that. Um, In that teaching in chapter 2, Paul makes mention of an encounter he had with this guy named Peter. 
So Peter is an apostle of Jesus. Peter led the church early on in its days. Uh, Chris is going to share a little bit about Peter. But one thing that God was constantly uh, trying to show Peter is that the gospel is for everyone. Mm. There's, we're all one in Christ. The gospel's for everyone. Well, in this city called Antioch, when Paul runs into Peter again, guess what he finds Peter doing? Still acting like a racist. Mm. So in Galatians 2, Paul basically calls Peter out and says, Look, man, you get around this group of people, you act one way. You get around this other group of people, you act a different way. And you know that's wrong. And what's worse is other people are seeing you and they're repeating that behavior. Mm. So that tells us a couple things. One, even though God revealed it and God showed it, so even though Peter knew the truth, he didn't just magically overnight change. So that's good. to overcome some of this stuff, it's going to take some time, going to take some grace, going to take some understanding. But more importantly, it's going to take a brother and sister in Christ to be willing to smack you around and say, hey, you're wrong. Mm. Fix that. And spoiler alert, they still were buddies. Peter and Paul got along at the end of the story, right? Happily ever after. Peter took that rebuke well and started changing his ways. Uh, But it takes a long time for Peter to come to that. And so in Galatians chapter 3, Paul really hammers the point home. He says this, "Now, But now that faith has come, we are no longer under a guardian. For in Christ Jesus, you are all, say that, all. All. You are all sons of God through faith. For as many of you were baptized into Christ, that means you've accepted him as Savior, you said yes to his commands, you're choosing to follow him, you've symbolized this through this baptism, you were baptized into Christ, you've put on Christ. He says there's neither Jew nor Greek, there's neither slave nor free, there is no male and female, for you are all one in Christ. So in Galatians 3.28, Paul like lays the smack down, like listen, we're all one in him. Mm-hmm. Now, what he's not saying is that there is no such thing as race. I think it's just as ignorant of a statement to say, well, I don't see race, I'm colorblind. Well, that's crazy. We're diverse. We're different people. Sure. And we should celebrate mm-hmm. that, that diversity, the red, mm-hmm. yellow, black, and white, precious in his sight. We should celebrate all of those things that make us unique. And I think it's easy and it's almost cheap to just say, well, I don't see any color at all, but that doesn't take you to do any work. Mm -hmm. I have not met too many people of color who make that statement. Can I just Mm -hmm. be real since we're being real today? Sure, I have not met many people of color who say, oh, I don't see race at all because you don't have to. So it's easy to make that statement just blindly. I don't. Paul's not saying that there still Mm -hmm. are Jews and there still are Greeks. But when it comes to Christ, hey, we're all one. He's also saying, listen, that's really good. When it comes to vocation, there is no class. There's no rich and the rest of us. In Christ, we're all one. Now, that doesn't mean there's not going to be poverty. That doesn't mean there's not going to be rich people. He says there's no male nor female. This is really going to help you for your talk next week. This is free. Use this next week, right? Let me write it down. He's not eliminating gender. He's not saying that, oh, we're all one. Mm -hmm. He's saying, no, when it comes to salvation, there's no male, no female. When it comes to our place in the kingdom... There's one. Now, that doesn't mean there's not roles that men do, the roles women do. He's not saying that at all. Um, What he's trying to hammer home is we have to let this true unity we have in Christ be the thing that filters us. So essentially, Paul is just showing us time and time again that racism is sin. It's what it is. Mm, That's exactly right. Did y'all hear that? Racism is what? Sin. Sin. Stereotyping, which is just the socially constructed term for judgment, is sin. Judging other people. I love that quote from your, your police officer, buddy. Don't judge a short video. 
uh, don't judge a long encounter on a short video. Exactly. I would say don't judge five minutes with me as a statement of my entire life. Mm-hmm. Don't judge the fact that your kid might go to Clarksville Academy as, oh, well, they're just an uppity, whatever, whatever. Mm-hmm. You know, we do that so much. We see a snapshot of someone or something, and we make a blanket statement. That goes back to the first statement where we really want to make change. Let's get in each other's lives. Exactly right. Let's do life together. So when we say yes to Jesus, and we're essentially saying no to hatred. And that's we're, our big idea. That's today, our right? big idea today. When we say yes to Jesus, we're saying no to racism. At Grace Life Church, we have a couple of mantras, and one of those is that we want to be righteous more than we want to be right. Mm. We care more about winning people than winning arguments. Sure. And so when we say yes to Jesus, we set aside our right to win an mm-hmm. argument. I know you guys have a statement kind of yeah. like that here. In fact, I said this first service. It says, our goal is we just don't want to make a point. We want to make a difference. So many times uh, as Christians, we want to make a point and kind of drop the mic. And at the end of the day, we've lost influence because we chose just to make a point and win an argument. When really, our goal is to win people. It's not to win arguments. So, absolutely. Yeah, so accepting the grace of God, which we all want. We just sang about it today, unless you were lying, right? We, we sang those words, amazing mm-hmm. grace, save the wretch like me. We, we want that grace of God, and we want to accept that, and we want that forgiveness. Well, when we accept that, we are then obligated. That's not a cool word to say in church, because we want to be all grace, no rules, sure. just right. Don't judge me, bro. That's kind of how we want to mm-hmm. live out our faith. When we say yes and we accept that grace of God, we're obligated to share and to demonstrate that to all, mm. to everyone. A-L-L. So there can be no room in the heart of a Christ follower for racism, for xenophobia, being so afraid of the unknown that it, it leads to hatred. We have no, there's no play. The Bible doesn't give us room to operate that mm. way. Absolutely. Uh, I'm going to be uh, digging into, uh, I'll let you look at my phone, so sure. if any things pops up. Um, uh, I, I'm going to be looking at Acts, and we're going to be looking at a guy by the name of Peter. But before we dig in there, I want to let you know that the early church, um, the answer that we're experiencing right now, of it's just seeing all this race and racism as it plays out in the United States, that in the early church time, 2,000 years ago, you saw... Um, not just two groups uh, struggled to get along, but there were five groups. Uh, there were Jews who looked down on everyone. Uh, there were non-Jewish people. They were called Gentiles who believed that the Jews were better uh, than everybody else. Uh, there were slaves. Uh, there were freedmen. These were slaves who had been freed either because they had paid their way or because they acted their way out of slavery. And then there were women who had no social status whatsoever. And these five groups somehow... They started coming to know Jesus Christ, and they formed the early church. And uh, when you read the book of Acts, you see all of these people struggling to get along. And, uh, you know, a lot of people say, well, let's be a, a New Testament church. You know, let's be a church like, uh, you know, Peter or Paul. And when you go back and you read First Corinthians, that's the most jacked up church yes, ever. Right? Um, so I don't know if I want to be just a New Testament church, whatever that means. Because the New Testament church was messed up just like our church is today, like Grace Life and One Church is. So, um, so Peter has these, uh, he has these prejudices, as Carlo had mentioned. And we see that racism isn't a new problem. It really is racism is a sin that 2,000 years ago, early Christianity and Jesus Christ addressed. So in Ephesians chapter 2, written by Paul, the same guy who wrote Galatians, he uh, he is writing and he's talking about how Jews used to see Gentiles. And this is what he says. Don't forget that you Gentiles used to be outsiders. Uh, you were also called uncircumcised heathen 
by the Jews. So the Jews called everybody who was non-Jewish, which is probably most of us in here, outsiders. We weren't included. And then you get to this name calling, uncircumcised heathens. That sounds kind of nasty. Got to be answering. Let's move on. It says, in those days you were living apart. Everybody say living apart. Living apart from Christ, you were what? Excluded from citizenship among the people of Israel, and you did what? You did not know the covenant promises God had made to them. You lived in this world, look at these next four words, without God and what? Without hope. Not only did you have no hope, but you had no help. Uh, we were separate. They were living apart. Uh, they're, they're, I mean, how many of y'all have ever seen, felt the pain of being excluded? I mean, that's what uh, these people were. They were excluded. Uh, they were homeless. Uh, and, it, and it gets just worse and worse and worse. And you see that without God, there's no help. There's no hope. And they were outsiders. They were separate. I mean, those were all just really bad things. That the, the Gentiles, non-Jewish people, um, and the Jews really looked down upon the Gentiles. And it's in this whole idea that the early church that we see Peter and his example in Acts chapter 10. In Acts 10, um, it, it happens 15 years, 15 years after Jesus was resurrected uh, and after he went to heaven. And Jesus, uh, Peter, Peter is still racist. He still thinks that God loves Jews more than anybody else. And that, the, as you mentioned, that word all, it did not really apply yeah. to all of the Gentiles, just to all of the Jews. So God shows up and shows Peter, uh, gives him this vision that, you know what, it's not just about the Jews, but it is about all. It's about everybody, but you should not call anybody impure and unclean. And he says, I want you to go and I want you to visit a guy by the name of Cornelius. So he goes uh, to the home of Cornelius, who's a Gentile, but it gets worse than that. Cornelius is a centurion. He's an officer in the Roman army. And those were kind of like the terrorist organization group because they were the occupying force of Israel at the time. So Peter goes to the door of Cornelius' house and look at how this conversation begins. It's so politically incorrect, it's awful. It says this, while talking with Cornelius, Peter went inside. And I think Peter got to the doorway of Cornelius' house and kind of went, because oh, he didn't want to breathe in any Gentile air. I mean, it's just awful. And found a large gathering of, pe of people. So Cornelius and all of his family and all of his friends get there because they want to hear about Jesus and that Jesus can change lives. So Peter gets there and listen to what Peter says. It's so, it doesn't get much worse than this. And this is how the beginning of the conversation starts. It says this. He said to them, you are well aware, which means everybody knows this, that it is against our laws and our customs for Jews to associate with or even visit a Gentile. That's his opening remark. It would be like, Carlo, if you invited me to your house, and I'd say, you know what, Carlo? <coughs> um, I don't associate with people uh, like you. That's when, because I know you, uh, you're in judo. I mean, you would put a hurt down on me. Smack and you should. Smack down. I'm sorry. See, I can't even get the terminology right. So, uh, pressure points and all that stuff. I, I'm sure you could. Yeah, it's not good. Anyway, um, so, uh, I mean, that's how it began. Because Peter could not get past his racism. But listen to what he says in the next <clears throat> verse. But God. Everybody say, but God. but God. Some of you, you need some but God moments right now. Because your mama taught you a different way. Your daddy taught you this. And you say, well, I'm this way because I grew up this way. Let me tell you, racism is almost impossible to spot when you look in the mirror. 
It's almost always impossible to spot to spot when you're looking into the mirror because we have a tendency to, to, to say, well, that's just how I am or that's how I was raised. No, racism is a sin, and you can't say yes to Jesus without saying no to racism. Right. But God has shown me, Peter says, that I should not call anyone impure or unclean. God has shown me. So my prayer for you today is that God would show us all. The God, the Holy Spirit would speak into my life and that he would be able to whisper, Chris, this is where you struggle with racism in your life. That, that God would be able to speak in Carlo's life and all of our lives because all of us, we all struggle many times. Uh, in fact, I like, here's a, a great, um, uh, I don't know what you think of George W. Bush, but he tweeted this uh, uh, during um, the whole Dallas police officer, the seven uh, people who were killed and murdered. Too often we judge other groups by their worst examples by, while judging ourselves by our best intentions. That's good. That's good. So um, as before we close, um, uh, let's get to a couple of questions. Um, let's see. What about <coughs> the people who say that only white people can be racist? I That's can answer crazy. that one. That yeah. is crazy. Uh, I think anybody can be racist. So what would you say about that? I think that's, like, you're correct. Anybody can be racist. I'm sorry, guys. I'm coughing a bunch. I'm sorry. I think anybody can. If be I have racist. to give you mouth-to-mouth. Um, uh, hey, that might turn into next week's talk. <laughs> <laughs> you went there. I went there. Um, hey, I almost didn't. I, I didn't almost cuss, though. We've, we've, made it, we've made it close. I think that's crazy. Everyone could be racist. But, again, that statement, we have to check where that's coming from. If I'm concerned about that, sometimes that's a deflecting statement. Well, not all, white people aren't the only ones that are racist. Well, we know that, but why are you concerned with that? Mm. Sometimes we make that statement to yep. deflect our own shortcomings. Yep. It's kind of like, well, he was speeding too. Well, what about him? I know I did this bad thing, but other people pe- do bad things. Mm-hmm. And we talked about this before. Uh, we talked about this in, in, in between the services. Mm-hmm. Uh, with the whole Black Lives Matter thing that's going on in our country, um, we, we forget that the sentiment behind that originally was to say that Black Lives Matter too. When we say all lives matter as a respond to that, we're essentially saying, yeah, 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 but what about all this other stuff? Mm. And I know some people, what they really want us to understand is, yes, of course, everyone matters. Yes, of course, black people can be racist too you if you've ever spent time in southern california you can attest to this some of the most racist people thank you love some of the most racist people on the lapd are black dudes mm-hmm. right i mean it's just it's just real um but that doesn't take away the fact that there still are these there still is an issue with us mm-hmm. and so yes everyone can be racist obviously but i think we have to check where is that coming from in me yep um before uh we close i'm going to give you a chance to be able to drink some of that uh i'm going to take our last question um racism in our society seems to be subtle in many ways when it comes to making quick judgments based upon appearances what are practical what are practical ways to overcome these stigmas when our society seems to have deep roots in these stereotypes you know i think as, as we close, I, I, the, here's what I know about Christianity and the gospel and Jesus. We are called to love God, and we're called to love other people. Yeah. And, and I'm talking a lot about this next week. Um, when Jesus says, love your neighbor, there is no caveat for your neighbor. That's right. Y'all hear what I'm saying? Whether your neighbor is an African American <laughs> or somebody who struggles with homosexuality or transgender, it doesn't matter. God says, I want you to love God. 
and I want you to love people. And if you don't love people well, that means you're not loving God well. So I think the answer to our, our, the racism problem that we are experiencing, because it's nothing new, I think the answer is right here. Yeah. It, is, it is with Christ followers. It's with you and I saying, you know what? I know I may have been taught that way or I may lean towards that, but you know what? I am not going to go there. I am not going to post about that. I'm not going to, not going to do that because I'm going to choose to trust instead of choosing suspicion. I, I think that's what all of us are called to do. And some of you are like, well, if you, if you do that all the time, sometimes you may get hurt. You may. But know this, if you always choose suspicion over trust, that's, that's you hurting other people and hurting yourself. So let's don't do that as a body of Christ. I'm going to, please, take the last so word. So in Acts 10, 28, Peter says, but God has shown me. I like the but God verses in the scripture. Yep. One of the questions that came in was, I know that God says, do not fear, but what about all of this other stuff? And I think you have to change your but what about and go back to the but God. He said, don't fear, but what you can't do that. We, we have to get rid of that. You know, mm-hmm. we have to kind of get our, our head out of our butt. Absolutely. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I love you, dude. <laughs> God said, don't fear. So that's how I have to live. Absolutely. Absolutely. I was going to ask you to pray, but you're, I, I'm going to pray. So guys, uh, thank you so much for hanging out with us today. Thank you very, very much. Uh, if you're with Grace Life, I thank you so much for hanging out with us today. Thank you for your patience uh, with children's environments and things of that nature. And uh, I know we have a lot more people here than normal in our second service. Um, so I'm going to pray, and then our band is going to close us with a song. Um, but uh, I just want to let you know, if you're with Grace Life, you've got a great pastor. He is a good man. So That's what you wanted me to say, right? Okay, okay. <laughs> Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, I just thank you so much for Carlo, Lord. I thank you so much, Lord, for our relationship, just how we've known each other over the past eight years, and uh, just how, Lord, you've blessed my life because of him. And I thank you so much for Jamie. I thank you so much for his family. Lord, I just pray, Lord, that you would allow this conversation not to end here. Lord, that you would allow this to be able to spill over into people's lives, Lord, and that we as the church, that we would stop judging other people. Lord, uh, your word says so clearly the one people we're supposed to judge are, are the people inside the church. But Lord, so many times, those we just we give each other a pass and we judge non-Christians and we judge, uh, uh, we judge people of a different uh, race and, and different ethnicities and, and, and different life choices and whatever that looks like, God. And I just pray that judgment would start in the house of God. And Lord, that you would allow us to love well. That you would allow us to be a people that would love Jesus well. And Lord, that in the same breath, that we would be able to love everybody else. Because all people matter, God. Lord, we are all, we can come underneath the banner of Jesus Christ. Because he died for us all. For Jesus Christ, he died for the world. That you gave his only one one and only son. That he, Lord, that when he perished for when he died for us, Lord we could have everlasting life. And Lord, I pray if there's anybody here today who needs that relationship, Lord, that they would be able to meet Carlo afterwards, they would meet me afterwards. And Lord, that we would be able to show them just how much your life can be changed when we come to Jesus. For it's in your precious name that we pray. Amen. Let's stand and let's sing.